happening, everyone? Off and running on another episode of Just Another Sports Podcast. Greg Swatek and Josh Smith uh, here with you this week. No uh, third party. Uh, no third in, wheel. In, no third wheel uh, this week. It's just me and Josh. Riding, and, riding the bike here. And uh, we're going we're gonna to hammer upon a familiar theme on this week's podcast. We're going to talk about NFL officiating and just how awful it is and, and how it's sort of ruining the on-field product uh, in, in the NFL. And uh, we, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, we, we've asked Jason Lock and Flora what can be done about it, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll do our uh, normal segments. I have a couple of bad looks of the week. They could sort of be boat or maybe even black hole worthy uh, this week, uh, Josh. And uh, we'll do scene or to be seen. I think Josh has a, a good look of the week of, of might, some sort. It might be a bad look. Uh, oh, yeah, it could be a bad look. So, yeah. Uh, no, we could, we you, could, you, you could go both, both ways. With you it. just mentioned it to me. It's, it's, it's more, of a, more of a bad look. Yeah, but so. it was so entertaining that it will, I'm gonna, I'll say it's a good look. Okay. So Josh will have his good look of the week. I have, I have a couple of bad looks. I will do seen or to be seen. Uh, but first, we have to start with uh, a local team or a quasi-local team playing for a championship in the Washington Nationals against all odds of advance to the World Series uh, this week. With a, I should have picked them this year. With, yeah, you were a, you were a year early on your lock. Yeah. Of the, did you guarantee they were going to make the World not. Series last no, year? Or you no. just you just predicted they would. Yeah. Um, but but they did it with a surpri- surprising sweep of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals this week. The Cardinals, it was really a laughably, almost embarrassingly bad performance. They couldn't score any runs. In, couldn't even in get any hits half the time. Right. The first two games, they barely had a hit. And I think they went over 20 innings without scoring a run. Or uh, their scoreless streak stretched over 20 innings. And they finally got going late in uh game four but by then the nationals had already scored seven runs and it was too little too late um uh, so to speak but um but here we go the, the nats in the world series um they, they've sort of embraced this underdog role i i think the reason why i'm not saying they've gotten there because the caps lifted the burden for them but but in very similar fashion I think the pressure was off the national shoulders this year. They didn't really have any serious expectations. I mean, people thought they could be good. Some people even threw around this could be their best team uh, because they had the young players in the outfield. They subtracted Inigo and Bryce Harper. Their pitching staff was excellent with the addition of uh, Patrick Corbin. So it's not like this is like stunning, like no one could have ever seen this happen. But but they got off to a horrible start. They they were nine. The, the the big record that everyone throws out is nineteen and thirty one. That that's where they stood uh, at near the end of May, and uh, and then it's just a resilient group. The, the, there wasn't a lot of pressure. They weren't expected to beat the Dodgers. They did it, and you just get the momentum rolling, and 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 they they do it. They 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 finally break through, and and got the monkeys off their back with that series win uh, against the Dodgers, and though they'll, they'll be huge underdogs in the world series because the both the astros and yankees have monster lineups great pitching staffs the yankees it's their bullpen more than their starting staff and they're both 100 plus game winners so the nationals will once again be underdogs yeah. but, but but is that a role that suits them pretty you well s- yeah you seem pretty adamant that they're not going to win the world series regardless of who advances i i, I don't think so okay i'm sort of on the fence about this i almost want to pick them I almost want to pick them to win it because of a couple of things. I think Davey Martinez has really figured out how to how to work this pitching um, staff yeah. Yeah, in his, the playoffs. His bullpen moves have been outstanding, right? So you have that. You have these great starting pitchers. 
you have the potential for some of those starters to come out of the bullpen when you need them to, if, and he's and he's pulling the right strings when it comes to that. And it just seems like every year, and we talk about this, I think we talk about this every year we've done this podcast when we get to this point, there's always a team that sort of just has the mojo, right? Has the chemistry. Right. You see it in other sports, right. too. And that is a huge part of championship teams. And in particular in baseball, I think you you see that. And I, it's so corny to talk about this stupid baby shark thing. But, like, it's that sort of thing that right. I'm talking about. It's like this is something that they rally around. This is something that – um, you know, it is helping them. It helps them with their with their chemistry and with um, with that clubhouse. And uh, you have some great guys on that team that are just terrific leaders. Yeah, it, it's a very so, like, it's a very likable team. Yeah, and they and like you said, they subtracted a guy like Bryce Harper, who's I don't but, know what he was like in the clubhouse. I don't think he was a bad clubhouse guy, but but a big ego and a big yeah. personality, and who who just sucks sort of a lot of it. Exactly, a, a lot of the attention. Up, he sucks so. a lot of the attention. He brings. A, a good amount of bad attention to the team because there's there's just so many people that don't like him for whatever reason you don't right. like Bryce because you don't like his antics and right. stuff yeah so there's the pitching the chemistry and the fact that they got rid of Harper and they're really a better team because of these young guys who have taken his place in the outfield Soto right. is just like I think he's going to be an otherworldly kind of player. Like this right. kid's twenty, right? And and, and and they they're not great. Uh, Robles has become like an elite yeah. defensive center fielder. Like he and, and even when he's not playing, like Michael they can a. put Michael A. Turner out there. Michael A. Taylor is a really Taylor, good. Uh, he's a really good defensive outfielder. Not not the best hitter, and that's why he's not in the lineup right. a lot. But he's a he's an outstanding outfielder. This dude can still hit the home run when you had to get a home run in the, in the series right. against the Cardinals, right? And and Eaton and Soto aren't great defensive players. Soto's improving. Eaton's okay, but they 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 could all hit though. Is, is yeah, is Eaton thing. is is like the ultimate catalyst, right? And he has been. So right. you have that that role is filled. Okay, maybe he's a liability defensively. He's not a great defensive player, but he does so many things for you at the top of the order. Run, uh, running, running the bases, running the bases, getting on base, moving runners over. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Rendon's become a star uh, third baseman. Uh, Turner is a, is an excellent shortstop. Um, they're making it work at second base with guys like Brian Dozier and um, and Asdrubal Cabrera. And then you have at first base, uh, you, uh, you have guys like Howie Kendricks, who's been a, a great addition uh, to the team, a, a veteran player who's played for three or four different teams, and he's been a great bat and then just a great veteran presence in the clubhouse. You have Ryan Zimmerman, who's played – uh, every game, uh, and he's not played in every game, but he's been on the team for its entire existence uh, in D.C. Uh, so, so he finally gets to experience. And I this. think that's another decision that Martinez has made in in this in the, the postseason here is to play him a lot, right? And I think that's right. That has paid off in spades. Right. Um, he had a, he had a big hit, um, I, I believe, in the in the Dodgers series yeah. uh, to win one of the home games there. Uh, to win Game Four of the Dodgers series, to, to force it back to LA, I think Zimmerman had the, the had the big hit uh, in, in in that mm-hmm. Game Four. So uh, catching wise, uh, they're they're getting by with guys like uh, Kurt uh, Suzuki and and Jan Gomes. Um, so and 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 here's what I want to give Davey Martinez the credit. I think he sat down before the playoffs started and said, "Let me look at this team. Let me look at the strengths. Let me look at the weaknesses," and he's done a great job in saying and being honest with himself and saying our bullpen is a major problem. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we, I don't have many guys that can go out there and, 
and, and, and, and really give me many innings, productive innings. So how do I go about hiding the bullpen as best as I can? And he's put together a plan. Yeah. He's implemented the plan. He stayed with the plan, even though it was sort of a plan that was going to get a lot of reaction, a lot of discussion. Pe- pe- not everyone might agree with it, but he's stuck with it. And, um, and is it that he's just using like a couple of those guys, basically? Right. Well, he's using uh, he's using his top, his front line starters, uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, in, in big big time relief appearances, high leverage uh, relief situations. And I, th- I think there was one point in the series um, uh, against the Cardinals where all but like two of the outs were recorded by Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, who's been a great fourth starter, and then their top two relievers, Sean Doolittle and, and Daniel Hudson. So all yeah. but two of the outs. So so he's he's played uh, the bullpen masterfully so far. And and just his attitude, too. He, he's he's an upbeat, cheery guy. Some people make fun of him for it because he's Mr. Positivity, uh, Mr. Yeah. Positivity, sunshine and rainbows and stuff like that. And he, he doesn't say he's... He doesn't say anything negative. He's he's always upbeat and positive. Sometimes it, it could come off as sort of hokey. I don't. Yeah, uh, it, it can't come it, off that it, way. But I just think that's who he is, right? That's everything that, I've read. That's who he is, and that's that's the attitude that carried them through when they were really struggling, when they were yeah. uh, close to last place in the division. When his job his job was in doubt. Basically. Twelve to thirteen games below five hundred. We were running columns in our paper saying they, the Nats should probably fire him, but. His his attitude, that positivity, that attitude never wavered. His optimism never wavered, and uh, and and just look at their playoff run too. They they were down three nothing to the Brewers in the wild card game. They came back and won. Um, they were down two to one to the Dodgers facing an elim- elimination game in the division round. They came back and won. They were down three nothing to the Dodgers in Game Five of that series. They came back and won, and and then they never were really in, in a tough spot against the Cardinals, but just. I mean, there's something to be said for that, all that positivity and all that optimism. I, mean, I, I, I think he, he yeah, he's, I could he, use some more of that in my life. Right, <laughs> he's he's stuck with <laughs> he's stuck with a lot of guys uh, that that other managers, other coaches might not. Yeah, have. it's and, funny. It's my wife is a is a, a school administrator, and she exudes positivity. Right, and it's funny because she and I are so like it, people probably wonder how in the hell we ever even got married. No, but but, like, but you probably but, balance each other out. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is some something to that. But I I listen to some of the stuff that she says, and I'm just like, Oof, really? Like I right. <laughs> I would have a hard time like getting on board. But you know, it it works. I think right. it works a lot of times. And when you're at the top like that, it pays to be upbeat. It really does. Like I should probably take some notes because you know I'm I'm in charge of a section here. Yeah. And I, you know, like being being positive, it, it permeates. It, it can be so ho- can negativity, right? It, it can be hokey, and, and some guys might not buy it. But, but yeah, but for whatever reason, Martinez has struck the right balance with the team, and his positive attitude has really rubbed off. Yeah, and the t- and even when the team faces some real adversity, like they have throughout the playoffs so far, and, and being in some tough spots, the team never loses belief in itself. And, and and you've seen that and and it's 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 a remarkable run i'm counting them out i'm already counting them yeah. out in the world series against the against either the yankees or the astros but <laughs> but is that a, the under here they are underdogs again and that again that role might suit them really well and they, yeah. might, we, they might surprise some people i keep thinking back to um god how many years ago was it now that they del- they elected not to have steven strasburg pitch in the postseason that was 2012 I keep thinking back to Almost that because 
I, you know, this was that team was really good, and the, the Nationals have been really good and uh, playoff team for ever since then, ever since that year. And I just thought, man, it would just be so fitting if they never ever got it done after they made that stupid decision to to not pitch him in, the, in that postseason. I really kind of was of that mind. Like I just didn't think it was ever going to happen for them, um, for for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but this team is just like you said. I, I mean, they they flew under the radar a little bit. Finally, they were able to, and it suited them well. Right, the expectation. And now it, it came in with zero expectations. Right. And now right. you have somebody like Strasburg, who is like literally etching his name in the history here with some of the things he's doing. Like he's he's you know he's making his name right now. Like oh, obviously he's been a very good pitcher in the major leagues for a long time, an above average pitcher, but he is making his name in this postseason, and that's kind of cool to see. Like because. You know, you kind of wondered if he was ever going to, quote unquote, live up to the hype of what he was when in that first year that he came out and was blowing guys away before he tore his elbow up. Um, so that's that's cool to see um, and, as well. And to take nothing away from Max Scherzer, yeah. uh, Strasburg has been their best pitcher from start yeah. to finish this season. Scherzer's had some uh, some stints on the injured list. Uh, he, he's had some uh, rough starts. So he, 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 yeah. He's been great, but, yeah. but but he just hasn't been as good um as uh Strasburg not to say he's bad but that just shows you how good Strasburg's been and 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 that's the question the Nats face now one of the big questions who do you start in 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 game one either Strasburg or Scherzer and Mm. and you have to look at the rest of the schedule and see who might be available later in the series uh depending on who you start I I think the Mm. game one starter would um would might not be available for later in the series for like game if you needed him in a game seven just based on how the schedule and, that, works. and it's really odd that they have the they have the ability to say okay well we can start one of two aces or excuse me flip that the game two starter might not be available in right. game seven just because right. of how the series will play out schedule yeah i mean I, I if it's me i think it's a pretty easy decision at this juncture like you just said what was going on with scherzer what's ha- what what's happened with him late in the season i just think it's really simple strasburg is the guy for game one Game one is huge. You got to get, you know, you're on the road. You got to get off to that good start. You got to win that game. You got to steal one. Right. I, I think he's, I think it's a no brainer. You start him. Yeah. It's hard to argue that point. The only thing I might say is that Scherzer, I think, is more of a bulldog than yes. Strasburg is. And you, you almost want him a little more in those really pressure, like have to have it spots. So if you start Scherzer in game one, you would have him maybe in relief in game seven. I'd rather have Scherzer in yeah. relief in game seven than Strasburg. Again, to take nothing away from either of them. Um, I mean, it's a good problem to have to have to choose between these guys. And then you but, got a guy like Corbin who came out, what, he struck out like 12 guys last night or 10 right. in the first two innings, or not two innings, <laughs> the first like four innings or whatever it was. Yeah, no, he's 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 an outstanding third starter. And, yeah. and Anibal uh, Sanchez, who's been a terrific starter for the Tigers, and and really throughout his career, he's he's their their starting rotation is excellent. Their bullpen has been awful, but Martinez, to his credit, figured out a way to sort of get around the bad bullpen in, in the playoffs. And and here the Nats are in the World Series, so we'll see who they end up playing. Um, I, I don't know if there's a better matchup for them. I mean, both Houston and um, uh, the Yankees present different challenges. Uh, I don't know enough about the Yankees, like starting rotation. Quite it's, it's, honestly, it's, it's not. It's, it's not good. That's and that's what I would look at. I mean, the the Nationals lineup is really good, top to bottom. And even hell, even T to B, T to B, and even even if they're playing in in Washington and they have the pitchers bat, like they have some pretty good hitting pitchers. Um, not that that really means a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but 
I don't know. I like that. I like that lineup against the Yankees. I, I just, I just do. Yeah. Now the Yankees have a really deep bullpen, mm-hmm. and it's very good. Yeah. So, so that compensates a lot for their. For I mean, their, when you have a guy like Zach Britton as your setup guy. Yeah, right. I mean, that's for for and ridiculous. guys like Chad Green, and um, they they just have tons of. They, I think they have thirteen pitchers on the roster in the, in the championship series against the Astros. That, that's how much they believe in their bullpen to keep thirteen pitchers on the roster. So they present different challenges. Both lineups are, are outstanding. So it's it's almost like a toss up there. Who who would you rather face, <laughs> or who wouldn't you rather face? Um, so it, it I I think it'll be an interesting series. Uh, it's cool that Washington will get the weekend games in in, in the two three two format. It'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So a town that hasn't had a World Series since the ni- early nineteen thirties will will it'll be a weekend uh, here here in um, uh, D.C. So, uh, so yeah, the the Nats are uh, ma- making history, uh, perhaps, and they finally break through and mm-hmm. and um, uh, achieve what what people have long wanted them to achieve without really the expectations on, on their shoulders this season. So, all right, let's, let's switch to football and let's let's again revisit um, one of our uh, tried and true topics here on keep, keep uh, jazz. pounding on it. Yeah, and that's the horrible officiating in the league. And and I had a I had a couple questions. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can answer them, but we'll, we'll I don't see. think anybody can answer all these officiating questions. Well, you can just give your opinion. Chime but, in, um, yeah. But do you think the NFL even cares that the officiating is so bad? I, that's a really good one. Um, you know, it's one of those deals where you look at it and you're like, okay, the the whole uh, uh, statement you can make about any publicity being good publicity. Um, it, but, it gets everyone, it gets everyone talking. Yeah. Everyone's talking about the league, even during the play, the baseball playoffs and stuff like that. Um, so. I, I think the league does care. I think they're going to have to start caring more because, you know, people might stop watching as much. I mean, we always say like, nobody's going to stop watching NFL. Uh, I have a, I have a hard time, but like, the kneeling and stuff wasn't going to drive me away. Like that storyline wasn't going to make me stop watching the NFL because that wasn't on the that wasn't happening on the you know essentially in a game. It was before the game, um, but this is happening. This is affecting games. This is changing essentially changing results as, as sports betting is proliferating. Yeah, yeah. you, you always right. talk about that, and that is a huge a huge problem, and it's something the NFL is going to have to start to take. Well, well yeah, because you have to consideration. You have to figure like in the next five years when sports betting becomes legal, really across the country, like yeah. these, these teams are going to be offering like opportunities to gamble on their apps, on their websites. Like there's going to be team sponsored betting, and you can't have this awful officiating deciding games when yeah. when, when when teams are are or sponsoring betting and stuff. I'm just not sure I understand. Um, the, they, they make these every year, they make these points of emphasis. And this year, one of them is holding calls. They're making a point of emphasis. Uh, they're paying more attention to that. So you're getting more holding call. I'm not, I just don't understand why they decided to do that. Why are you all of a sudden deciding we're going to start calling like every other holding penalty? I, I don't I just don't get that. You, you're adding more layers to an already right. rule book that we've talked about new, on multiple occasions. is way too big as it is. It's way too big, and the game moves way too fast for men who are on the field and are under trained probably and have um, you, you know aren't good enough to make these make these snap 
judgment calls right. and stuff the, like that. They're, they're younger, they're younger, more inexperienced officials because the veteran officials yeah. have have looked at these, have have gone in the TV. They they see what these networks are willing to pay them to offer their two cents on these calls on TV without the pressure, without the criticism. So yeah, so the veteran officials have left the profession. And then they've gone into lucrative uh, TV jobs. So that so. my biggest problem was with um, what I, I just read something. I, I, I heard that uh, all of the trainer, all of the uh, officials in the NFL, it's more than 100, I think. And, and there are two people that are in charge of training the officials. So you have that, which is an incredible, incredible disparity. Um, and the second thing is these guys aren't full-time. A lot of them aren't full-time employees. I don't know right. what percentage. There's a very small percentage that are the, full-time employees. I think they're paid well, but, but they yeah, are. but they have other jobs, but a uh, lot, lot of them are lawyers and they have other right. well-paying jobs. But I'm, I'm not sure I understand why the NFL doesn't say we're going to make you guys all full-time employees or as many of you that as, as you want to be full-time employees, we're going to pay you as full-time employees and we're going to train you year round. Like, right. why is this not that that league makes how many billions of dollars? They just need to dump more and more money into it's over the 10, training. It's over, of 10, it's over 10 billion their dollars officials. a year, I think. Right. So. So. So, I mean, the training is where I, I keep focusing. But at the same time, like, I don't even know if training can fix the mistakes that we've seen, because just the way the game is going in terms of how fast it moves and just the size of the rule book and everything that these guys are supposed to take into account on every single play. It's, it's out of control. Right. You, you touched on my second question already. And that is, is, can it get to a point where you would actually stop watching? Like, like there's so many flags. The game is so it's hard to there. watch. It, like, would you, I mean, cause we, cause we often say like, okay, it's bad, but, we're not. We're, we're still going to watch. We're we're not going anywhere. But but actually, is is is, is more flags are thrown. I think in the Cowboys Jets games, there were like seven. There was a string of seven plays. There were flags called on six of the seven plays. <laughs> I think I texted you one day. I was one weekend. I was watching the game, and it was like, I I, I was quoting the the official who just spoke. And it was like, there are multiple fouls on the offense. It's like, come on, really? Like, do you need to right. – this really need to be happening? And, and some of these calls are, like, re- super ticky-tack. Yeah. Like, they have no bearing – That's my main problem. They have no bearing on the play. Like, a right. guy was holding on the other side away from the ball. Yeah. Or he, he, it was an illegal shift somewhere that really had no bearing on the play. Like, a lot of these calls don't have any bearing on, like, what happened on the actual yeah. play. So, as the officiating continues to – be very poor like is there a point where you would say man, man i mean you have a son and a, and a wife you have other ways to spend your your nice weekend afternoons like is there a point where you would really say this is this is it's this, the, is, this is so bad i can't watch it's it gotten i think it's it's worse than it's ever been i think I, I i saw some uh some numbers um somewhere where like the average number of flags in a game is like 14 or something which is up from 11 or i don't even know what the yeah, numbers well, were here here i'll, I'll but, get you the numbers i mean i don't I'll know that's going to get that point get to that point for me but i think for some people it could um i'm already and i think i read something this week that uh kirk cousins was giving an interview of course i read a lot of stuff about the vikings and he said that he basically every time they have a big play he is ex- he has he is expecting it to get called back I mean that that that's a guy who plays in the NFL, who's a quarterback, who expects a flag on every big play because of the way things are going, the direction that it's going. And we were watching that game. We had the game all the other night, the Detroit Green Bay game, and you just knew you knew the, the Green Bay was going to win the game. You just knew it. Like it was almost like the league wanted 
Aaron Rodgers to win that game, and the and the officials were gonna they were gonna call a penalty if any pass hit the ground. And, and it that is he threw. Well, it is noticeable. Like when when Rodgers doesn't complete a pass, he immediately like his 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 glance yeah. immediately goes toward the. He official, puts his hands like, up. Right, right. Like, like there was no flag on that. I, I didn't. Complete and he gets it. it. So, like he's right. so arrogant, and I think he's so good. And the officials are probably so intimidated by being on the field with this savant that they probably think he's so he's so great that they need to call a flag anytime he throws an incomplete pass because he never would have thrown an incomplete pass if something unless something was wrong. I was going to actually throw him on the boat because right. because of that. But. Right. Well, he, well, here's the stat it's, uh, on Twitter uh, tweeted by Rick yeah. Goslin, who I believe covers the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Ten years ago, the NFL averaged 11.8 penalties for 97.3 yards per game. So 12, 12 penalties for 100 yards a game ten years ago. Five years ago, the league averaged 13.2 penalties for 111 yards a game, almost 112 yards a game. Um, so it ticked up uh, incrementally uh, five years ago. This season, NFL games are averaging 14.9 penalties for 124.5 yards, and he said, "The more flags, the worse the game is." So it's tr- it's true. I mean, I don't I don't know what the solution is, and I, what bothers me the most is that I don't think the league is willing to step in in the middle of the season and make some sort of decision or implement something to address this. Which, I mean, I guess they could. I think they should just throw out the uh, the rule that they adopted for a year on the pass interference stuff because yeah, that, they're not even they're not overturning any of those calls. That, that, it, it's going to get canned. It was it was it was a one year trial right. for this pass interference review, and and I can't I haven't heard anyone that likes it. Yeah, no calls are being over over overturned, so I, I think it'll go by the wayside. I, I think it will too this after year. this year, but I don't understand why they just don't step in and say, you know what, this is causing consternation, this is causing problems, this is causing causing fans to complain and all kinds of issues in all of these games. And wh- why do we need this? Like, we know that it's not going to work. Let's get rid of it now. You know, like, I don't understand why they don't step in and do that. Well, well while we're talking about, like, solutions, uh, uh, my third yeah. question sort of addresses that. Yeah. And that's should they get rid of replay altogether? That's what you would all, like, all, right? Altogether. I'm not necessarily there yet, but I think a lot of these flags are being thrown by guys who are worried about missing yeah. calls. Like, oh, no, I missed the guy who – grabbed the jersey or who moved a fraction early and you have all these people at home watching in high definition with the benefit of slow motion super slow motion and these guys are worried about getting fried for a for blowing calls either missing a call or or making Uh, the wrong 100 and and that they feel that pressure and that weight and if you took if you got rid of replay they could just go back they they wouldn't have to worry about that so much yes we would still have access to the replays but they would it and yes, they would still get criticized and all that. It wouldn't change that dynamic, but at least like it's not in, in, in game. It's not really affecting things. I think they're like yeah, like you said, they're almost like um, better to throw the flag than not. Right at this point, you right? Know, that's, yeah, that's the way they feel about it. And I think a lot of that again goes back to them probably being ill prepared to be doing the jobs they're doing. Right. Um, so they're just overcompensating by flagging every little thing that they see. Um, so you are you removing a slight burden by not even having replay, not even making it an option, like and, and just call the game as you see it, and yeah. let whatever goes goes. I think it's just they've opened Medusa's box, right? We can bring that yep. phrase back from back in the day. Thank you, on Colin. the show, yeah. Right. Like they they've opened Medusa's box with uh, with instant replay, and there's no closing it. I just don't think they're ever. They would never say. We're done with it, right? Just and, because technology is so and, am, am, amazing, and there would be still be bad calls, and people yeah. would be people would be 
even more outraged, perhaps that you, there was no way to fix the bad calls. Yeah. So now you had a, you had a good solution, and I, I a lot I, of people I've are talking of, about I've this. Heard a lot. You have like sort of an eye in the sky type of guy that when something really egregious happens, he could say, "No, that that's that's not a flag." He could buzz down to the field yeah. and tell the official that wasn't a flag, or this sh- that call needs to be this or that. Um, and I, I, I think I'm in favor of it. I, I, I think it's a great solution. I don't solution. know why they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. There's a couple of reasons why I think they wouldn't because the official, the officials, like these officials are saying, Hey, you're, you're, you're showing us up in front of everyone. Like, like but it, do you want to get it right. Uh, like that's, I know. But if like Joe blow, the ref gets buzzed like 12 times, it's going to make him look really bad. Um, and plus, are you giving too much power to one in, 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 yeah, in, 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 individual? That's a good point too. Like which what do you have? How qualified do you have to be to be that guy up in the booth? Number one, number two, the NFL. What the NFL was pro- would probably say is, well, we have to train all of these extra officials now who have to sit up in the booth and uh, you know they right. have to have this and, high level of training and, and, and this and, expert knowledge of the rule book. And, and, and they're subject to making mistakes and bad calls too. So right. what if they buzz down and make a correct call incorrect? <laughs> right or right? So, so are you giving as too much power in 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 um in the hands of one person? Well. And our, our well, guys get shown up. If like the guy's getting buzzed ten times a game and getting calls saying nope, the call should be this. Recall the, the officials are going to say, "Hey, you're embarrassing us." I have, so. yeah, I have two. I have two points to make about this this potential fix. The uh, the alliance. It was the alliance football league. I said something the other day. I was like, "Didn't the spring league do yeah. this? Like that league that folded that was right. only around for like five weeks or something? They had this. I don't know how successful it was. I think I watched." a game while I was in the office one night and I saw this implemented um, or I saw it used where this guy, the eye in the sky made a correction and it, it was proper. It was the proper call. Um, so that's the only example that I have, but so they did it. I'd like to know, and I was listening to, um, so we had Matthew Collar on a few, a few weeks ago before the season started uh, who works for uh, score North in Minnesota. One of my favorite guys, he, he was talking about this on his podcast the other day on his, on his show. Um, and he was talking about having the eye in the sky and, it makes sense largely because uh, the guys on the field don't get to see what we get to see at home. Like the viewers get to see this amazing picture and this super slow-mo replay. And they don't get to see that unless it's challenged, right? Like the, so why? Right. And they're also making snap judgments as, right. as, it, as it happens. So that really isn't fair. Like if the people at home are watching this stuff and we get to see it and the guys who are on the field are charged with making these decisions don't, that fixes that problem. You get somebody up in the booth who's watching all of those replays and can simply just press a button and say, hey, that was wrong. Change it. Right. So, like, like, the perfect example would be the pass interference in the Saints-Rams yeah. NFC Championship game. The eye in the sky could say that was clearly pass interference, make the call. Yeah. and It would have been fixed instantly rather than yeah. have the controversy play out and then it ridiculously get into the courts and, 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 and then all that stuff. Yeah, so, so. I think – I don't know. I, I think that's the best solution – uh, and now all of these little things need to be worked out and there's lots of kinks that would need to be ironed out in, in a, a situation like that. But the eye in the sky, eye in the sky is something that I can, I can foresee that happening. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm for it. I mean, I, I, I can see where the league would push back against it uh, a little bit for the reasons stated, but, but I, I, I think that's the best possible solution. Uh, get a, get a trained and experienced referee up there. They could, could, instantly fix obvious mistakes i mean it, it seems like a no-brainer on, on on a lot of levels so um a couple of bad looks uh for the week that i could almost segue into um into the boat segment because i think either of these guys could be fired into the black hole 
Um, the first one is LeBron James, uh, who you knew he was going to get asked about this NBA and China controversy, and, and apparently Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, said that they're losing they're losing a lot of money in China over this. Like the financial losses in China are substantial, so this is having an impact on the league. Whether you whether average fans for care, now, whether whether average fans care about that, um, wh- whether these rich owners are are losing a little bit of money, at, I mean they probably don't care. But you knew LeBron was going to get. Um, asked about this eventually and his his response was sort of bizarre because he said Daryl Morey of the Rockets who's one of the smartest guys in the league one of the most analytically driven guys in the league was misinformed or uneducated, uneducated. Uh, uh, about the situation <laughs> in uh, his two sentence uh, tweet b- before he tweeted his support in, in front of anti-communist government government <laughs> protesters and, and just, the, just the just the idea that Daryl Morey who again is one of the smartest guys in the league would just flippantly throw out a tweet like that without really knowing what he's talking about is just i'm guessing it's not accurate it's not, it's not true right. so so lebron was misinformed and lebron was edu- uneducated about how daryl how much daryl morey knew about this uh th- yeah. th- this controversy so it was just a ridiculous statement by lebron lebron <laughs> he he, he should have said no comment exactly right because because he didn't actually like it almost makes it seem like he's supporting China right. in their in their communist exactly. government. What he what he said, and LeBron, of course, who has huge financial business stakes and yeah. business holdings in China, and is not is he? So just say no comment. He, don't don't criticize. That's China. how stupid he is about some of this stuff. Like he ha- he he can't stop himself from saying from being like this social. He feels like he needs Look, to be like a social activist of some sort with everything. I, so like, dude, just shut up. Don't I, just don't say anything about it. I I, I get it. I get it. Um, you have business interests in China. Don't don't you don't have to, no one's asking you to slam China or right. anything like that. But don't make a false right. claim about Daryl Morey either, and saying he was just stupidly putting a tweet right. out there when, when obviously that probably wasn't the case. So the, the 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 only thing you could criticize here is the timing of Daryl Morey's tweets. Like this, uh, the NBA was going on this tour, this preseason tour overseas. And his tweet certainly didn't make life easier for any of these NBA teams that had to suddenly deal with a controversy that he created. So LeBron could have even done that. He could have said, look. I wish he wouldn't have done uh, that. Right. The, the timing of it didn't make life easy for any of us. And that, and that would have been a legitimate criticism. But but he should have just sidestepped this question. Totally agree. And no commented it. Instead, he's like, he just had a weird answer. and it was Because he felt like he had to comment on it. That he was flatly wrong about because he said that Daryl Morey didn't know what he was talking about before he tweeted. So. Right. So, so LeBron, who's we've thrown on the boat probably a number of times. I, I don't know if that's black hole worthy, but but it's it's, clo- it's, it's tempting. Um, this is a black worthy. Like our 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 friend Tiger Somebody's Woods going in the black hole. Oh, Tiger's going to the black hole. If he's not there already, like Tiger announced this week that he's coming out with a book. <laughs> I love this. Uh, uh, love a, a, a memoirs <laughs> entitled Back. Where he, where he's where he's where he's talking cl- about his back surgeries? Is it all about his back surgeries? Right. Where he claims he's going to write uh, correct all the erroneous reporting about his life and his career? Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in, because in he would book. never he would never color anything a certain way, right. right? Well, right. Well, that not only that, but Tiger's like one of the most secretive guys ever about his personal life. So if you don't want people speculating about your personal life. And, and making stuff up like he claimed, you might want to just come clean about it. You might want to talk about yourself or come right. to, uh, just don't allow the room for speculation. Right. So Tiger is going into the black hole because I, I don't know what he's going to say or what he's going to correct in this book, but I, I think the media probably got 
most of this exactly right. And Tiger just doesn't like <laughs> Tiger just doesn't like how the how the exactly how, how it looks, how the how the truth looks, um, so to speak. Um, I I I'm, I would never buy this book. It's almost like with um. Well, I'm interested in it because right. I, I just want to see what Tiger's right. going to say. It's almost like with Floyd Mayweather. Like I always said, like I would never ever spend a penny on any of his fights. Um, it's almost like the same thing with that. Like I would never buy this book because it's a Tiger Woods book. But I hope somebody offers to send me a copy of it that I could review. Just so I could take a look at what kind of stupid nonsense is in this right. book. So it is t- going to be highly entertaining. So, Tiger, you weren't sleeping around on your wife yeah. with, with tons of different women? You weren't doing this? You weren't oh, doing you, that? You, those stories about those porn stars weren't true, Tiger? Right. You weren't, gamb- you weren't gambling uh, huge sums right. of money? It's like, I mean, what's it, what's it going to say that everyone's, oh, Tiger, we got, we got, we, we got it all wrong? <laughs> oh, so sorry, Tiger. Right. Yeah. You're a wonderful person. Right. Probably the thing that it might have been a blonde instead of a brunette. Oh, oops. Maybe that's what the, maybe that's what they got wrong. So, but most of this stuff gets reported correctly, and I and I don't know. And Tiger's like throwing this like moo this this doubt this doubt into the mix that it's, it seems it, it seems preposterous and ridiculous. It's gonna be hilarious. And I'm I'm interested in the I'm not I, I won't buy the book either, but I'm interested in its contents because. Yeah. Because I, I just want to see what he's going to say about all this stuff. Do you know who he wrote the book with? Or was this, please I, I, just tell me no one wrote it with him and it's just his words. That would be even better because you know he's probably a terrible writer. Right. I, <laughs> yeah. I hope he wrote it with somebody. Do you think Tiger, when he's not practicing golf, is like it, sitting at home behind like a laptop, yeah. like uh, pecking away at his yeah. keyboard r- r- writing the, <laughs> r- writing this book? I hope he, I hope he got no help, honestly, because I just think it would be hilarious to see. See, see all the grammatical errors. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there wouldn't be those, but just like this sentence structure this is, and stuff. This is like poor, that. It's poorly so. written uh, memoir, right? Yeah, I, I would definitely want to get my hands on that some way. So, uh, so Tiger goes into the black hole. He might have been there already because because his, his name has come up numerous times. In, in yeah, this he segment, was a but, yeah, he was a charter member. But, but please, but but please, Tiger, set the record straight for all of us. Please, we're on, all on, we're on, dying on, to find on, out on, on your where where did we get it wrong yeah. with your with your wonderfully perfect personal life yes so um did you have a did you have a good look uh, for the week? we'll give it a good look so the other night we were here uh and you had the you had the grand idea after the nationals clinched uh, their world series berth that we would turn on some local uh washington dc television because man that stuff is just priceless all you got is we, we won't name the station we're not gonna name the station unless you want to. no we won't it's all the same um and these people are <laughs> purportedly journalists who you know obviously are downtown in the uh hubbub of the celebration after the game and it is just priceless because these people don't do any reporting it's just essentially they keep screaming the same thing over and over again they're basically fans like everybody wait 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 josh you're telling me that nats fans <laughs> were, were happy were excited Great. and happy after they can you believe that after they clinched their spot in the i World had to series? turn on the news just to see if they were happy right because right. i just wasn't sure if they would be wow. jumping up and down and pumping their fists um, but that's exactly what they were doing. And they did for like a full hour after the game. Like it was literally the same thing over and over again. Let's throw it back out to Johnny. And, oh, look, he's with some Nationals fans. And, oh, look, they're happy. Johnny, what are they saying? And it was just like the same thing over and over again. Uh, one guy had a broom, and he kept holding his broom up. Like these, these guys are supposed to be reporters, and he just kept their talking about his broom. Their microphones might as well have been pom-poms because they were like <laughs> cheerleading for the Nats. And, Joe, I mean, it, Joe – 
Ferraro was here with us and he kept saying like, gee, I wonder if he, how, how many times is this guy going to say the Nats are in the World Series? Like you could have done a drinking game. Like if we were at home, you know, you could have been like, how many times are they going to say, every time they say it, just take a drink. The Nats are, they made the World Series. It was, look, it could have been a bad look, but I'm giving it a good look because it was hilarious. Like tel- television it almost, news. It was almost so bad it was good. Yeah. That, that's that's the point. So they did give us a little. We were cracking up, making fun of these people. Well, because we because we did it during when the when the Capitals won the Stanley yeah. Cup. Yeah, and, this and, is the second time we've and, done and it, and that's what gave us the idea to flip. flip once the Nats, yeah, clinched, we uh, we flipped it over to the local news, and it, it, it's such an awkward dynamic too, because you have these news anchors. I was just gonna say the people on the desk who, who don't know a weather guy who, and a news guy who don't know anything about the team. It's not the and, and in fairness, it's not their job to to, to follow that stuff. But but they're just, oh, this is just wonderful. But they have nothing to they have nothing to say, <laughs> and they, and they have an hour to fill. So well, uh-huh. if, yeah, I can't believe this. They've finally gotten through. This is just wonderful. It was just, you know, that for an hour. These it, fans are delightful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 look at that. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's an hour of television where no one has anything to say. I think, L- literally, yeah. no one has anything to say. I think at one point, say. like this one guy, like he goes to interview a couple of little kids who were there, probably like a nine-year-old kid. And I think his question was something like, did you ever think this was going to happen? Like, the kid's nine years old. Like, right. he's had such a long life to think about whether or not this was going to happen to right. the Nationals. In, in, in your six years, could you have ever in your could you have ever imagined the Nationals being in the World Series? I think series? they even interviewed like a couple. They, they you know because you're just you're out there just grabbing whoever's around as a reporter, and they grab some guy who's like he literally it was his first Nationals game. He wasn't even really a Nationals fan until that day. So like, why are you even interviewing this guy or some other guy who moved to DC like two years ago? Like clearly, like he hadn't been in this for the long haul, but he was whooping it up on TV and. You get all these like awkward dudes like pumping their fists and screaming in the camera. Like I said, if I was a fan, if I went to that game as a fan, I, and I saw a camera after the game, I would I would hightail it in the opposite direction. Like there's no way I would ever want to be on television, seen like screaming and jumping up and down and looking like a complete idiot uh, celebrating this team's win that you had nothing to do with. Right. I I just I find that perplexing to me that people are so like they they got to get on TV and they got to like yell how happy they are that they're going oh, to the world and, series. Oh, and in these situations, like, the royal we comes out, too. Like, we, yes, did, we, did, we yeah. did it. We did it. We're going to the – we are going yeah. to the World Series. And then you got all these people that are just immediately calling for a sweep in the world. They're going to sweep it. Sweep the World Series, too. Right. Call, you heard it. You heard it here first, like some schmo said. It was, it was priceless and stuff. And the anchor's like, oh, 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 oh that oh, guy's oh. awfully confident. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is literally an hour of television where no one has anything to say or insight, and there's no insight. There's no questions, right. legitimate questions being right. asked. It's just uh, right. just raw, jo- jovial, raw, raw emotion, raw predictable emotion. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's my that's my good look of the week. All right. Uh, did you have someone for the boat? Um, I was going to throw Aaron Rodgers on the boat because of what we talked about earlier. And I, you know, I, well, you know, I, I hate his guts. Every incompletion is a, is yeah, a penalty. That's that's what gets to me. And you know, honestly, it happens in the NFL all the time with these receivers and stuff. I've mentioned this numerous times in the past. Like I can't stand every time a receiver has an incomplete pass thrown to him. He's immediately putting his hands up and wondering where the flag was. I can't stand that. But I really get sick of seeing Aaron Rodgers do it because. Every time he throws his hands up, like a flag follows. Like if if he thinks a flag should have been thrown, they throw one. Or if he has an incomplete pass near the end of a game, like it's probably going to be flagged and he's going to get another chance. Um, I just I can't stand that about him. He's 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 really kind of an incredibly arrogant guy on the field. You can tell by the way he carries himself. Now obviously he's incredibly talented too. Like I'm not taking that away from him because I think he is amazingly talented. 
but I just he gets on my nerves with with uh, with him pleading for calls constantly um, at the end of games in particular. So I'm throwing him on the boat. But by, by the way, we harped on officiating earlier. Are you still in favor of of the college 15 yard penalty for pass interference in, in the league? Or I don't see. I, I haven't seen too many this year. Uh, long passes that I, I, that's what I hate. I just hate the chunk yardage, the 30, 40 yard pass interference right. penalties. And honestly, what you always say is true. Like in the NFL, like if guys had that, if they knew it was just going to be a 15 yard penalty and they got beat egregiously, they could just grab the dude's jersey right. and get the fi- take it, the 15 it, it, yards. It's better than giving up like a 60 yard play but or whatever. What I always say is I don't see that happening in college. So I don't see, I don't see those guys doing that grabbing for someone after they've, they're and, getting and it toasted. seems like the replay system in college is much more efficient and much better, met much better in college. Like they, they get the calls correct and the, the college football doesn't have the same officiating problem that the NFL has for right. whatever reason. So, yeah. Um, so I, I don't have another great boat candidate. Uh, I threw Tiger into the black hole already. A um, couple things for seen or to be seen. Um, this this tweet was brought to my attention uh, the other day. So uh, so Brock Osweiler by uh, <laughs> by by every measure a, a journeyman uh, backup quarterback. Uh, care to venture how much money Brock Osweiler made in his career? Yeah, I have a. I know I, I, because you he, sent it to you, me. You saw but, the tweet, yeah. but. Um, Brock Osweiler, career earnings, $41 million, $396,679, to largely be a clipboard-holding backup quarterback to Peyton Manning. And then then in Houston, he got some starts but was benched. In Cleveland, he didn't even last. I forgot he was even in Cleveland for a couple of He didn't even last the preseason, but $41 million. I think a large Uh, portion of that was – paid by the Texans, right? Because right. they signed him and, to be and, like their their franchise quarterback and the last Bra- five games. And the Browns who paid him sixteen million guaranteed uh to not even get out of the preseason with them. Because they well, took, they they took on his contract for for they let the Texans get out from under that contract for a second round pick. Uh, so yeah, I I mean that's a you gotta give him a pat on the back, man. Good job, Brock Osweiler. It's right. like I I congratulate Sam Bradford for right. making the money he made right. too. Never started a full season. His career record was fifteen and fifteen, so a five hundred quarterback. Uh thirty seven TDs, thirty one interceptions in his career, won a Super Bowl. He he was on the the Broncos team that, oh my that won a Super Bowl. That's right. He retired before he was um he was thirty years old. <laughs> With forty-one million, not presumably in the bank still, but that was his career earnings. And the tweet ends by just saying, "Legend." Yeah, the bravo. Le- the, the legend of Brock Osweiler, forty-one million dollars to be a completely average quarterback. And and there's a, there's other examples like that, or or will be like that in, in the future. Like the if you're a backup quarterback in the NFL, that's about the best gig uh, going today because you don't have to play, um, you don't have to get hit, you can make great money. Because just because the position's a, a premium position, and uh, what would you rather be a clipboard holding career clipboard holding backup quarterback or an average to below average professional golfer? Hmm, that's a good question. You can make more money as the backup quarterback. Um, yeah, I guess you could. You're right because if you're average. An average professional golfer who plays you can for still make, 25 years. You can still make really you good money. You can make a hell of a lot can, of money. You can. And, and there's no threat at all. Like You're not going to get hurt unless you're Tiger Woods, whose body can't handle the game of golf. Right, right? exactly. Who's, who's got, 
constantly grabbing his back or his <laughs> glutes aren't activating. His, his or, glutes aren't activating. That's or something like that. I wonder that. if he'll have a chapter about his glutes in, yeah, the, uh, in his book. I hope he does. He might have to set the record straight about his I, glutes. I, he probably in, will. In, in the book because we got it all wrong Glute initially. Activation. Um, or, the, or the media got it all wrong uh, initially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's no threat of you because backup quarterbacks occasionally have to get have to play yeah. and and are subject to getting hit and hurt and stuff like that. So the money's better in football, but but golf you can still make good money and there's no real threat of of harm or injury. Uh yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't like golf. Um so I, I think I know where my answer would be, but I, but if I think deep enough about it, like at least if you're playing if you're a golf an average golfer, at least you're actually playing. You know what I mean? Like you're actually on the it, playing in the tournaments and competing, whereas if you're a backup clipboard holder, that's all you're doing. You're, you, you, you have practice, but that's about it. You can make millions of dollars playing golf without ever winning a tournament. Yeah. So, uh, you, so you don't have to win to make real money uh, in golf. Right. You just and you actually to, get to play. You just have to be a good player, right? And you and you actually get to play. So, uh, my other uh, scene, or, or my excuse me, my to be scene is the start of the NBA season. Yes. I, I think there's not a clear favorite. The, the Warriors are dealing with some injuries. Uh, the, dynamic, yeah. the dynamic has changed there. Clay Thompson is going to miss most of the season, um, and they. Didn't win it last year. They, the the Raptors got him in the finals. So much, so, so much has changed with, with in, Anthony in one Davis, with Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. Um, uh, th- there's more question about who the be- who the actual best team is this season. Um, so how I, long do you think it'll take to get some clarity on that? Uh it's, it's tough because some of those early games teams really aren't invested. So, but by by right around the All Star break in early February, I, I think. We'll we'll have an idea like what's what. Um, Would you buy that the Wizards like have a chance at the playoffs this year? I do, and, and I was going to be. I, I wanted to mention too that uh, Bradley Beal yes. signed a two year contract extension because uh, he wants to stay in DC. He's a smart guy. Um, it's not for it's it's for good money, but but not uh, not the money that some of these guys are making. Um, it, so it's a modest by NBA standards contract extension because he wants to stay here and, and, and give the Wizards their best chance to to finally make a, make a run, finally yeah. make a run, like like a couple of their other DC teams uh, have. So um, uh, I think the Wizards could be a playoff team, yeah, because because if if they can get Wall back and playing well, and, and Beal was their best player last year, I, I think that. Sort of gives them two really good players. I don't think Wall's going to be back though all year. I think he's out. Well, he'll be. Yeah. I mean, it would be until the end. It would be all the well, way to well, the end of the season. I, yeah, I forgot he it's got. A, I forgot he got hurt. I for, forgot he got hurt sort of later later in the season uh, last year. So, or or toward the middle of the season <laughs> yeah, last year. I, I have a hard time seeing uh, Beal being able to carry them, but it depends on how things shake out in the East and yeah. how many good teams there really are. They could easily sort of find themselves in that mix if they're they're average, yeah. just to slightly above average. So, uh, so the start of the NBA season, looking forward to that because uh, I I really like the NBA. You do too, obviously. And and, and Bradley Beal, um, not running for the best team or the most money. Uh, just just he's a smart guy uh, that wants to stay with the Wizards and give him the best chance to finally uh, get on track. So, yeah, I have a couple of scenes. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention was a tweet as well that I saw. I guess it was Monday. Um, and it 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 came from from Vikings PR, so that's the team my that's the team I root for. And this is a guy who I think a lot of people he's probably the most under the under the radar uh, star defensive player in the NFL. His name's Den- Daniel Hunter. He 
He's a defensive end for the Vikings. Check out his arms. Yeah, he's he's a total freak of nature. But so he had uh, a sack on Sunday, so he has six for the season, and he has 46 for his career, and that sets the NFL record for the most sacks by an NFL player prior to turning 25 years old. He has 46 sacks, and he's not even 25, and they've locked him up to a huge contract um, you know, over the next several years. So um, the Neil Hunter is like incredibly talented, under the radar defensive player. I wanted to give give some props to him because I saw that tweet, and I don't think his name gets mentioned as much as it should when you're talking about premier pass rushers. Is, is Everson Griffin? He's still he's still there, and he's yeah. having a freaking phenomenal season. Like both of these guys on the edge for them are causing all kinds of problems. Wasn't he like on the verge of a mental breakdown yeah. last it's year? It's been it's a great it's a great sort of comeback story. He he missed um, a handful of games because he had. Uh, a mental breakdown and had to go get his get his life in order really and he wasn't the same last year at the end of the season because of numerous things really but um it seems like he's really turned it around he's like i don't know how many sacks he has but he he's up there with the number of pressures uh he and hunter both are like one in three i think in the nfl on total pressures which is really significant when you have two guys like that and Zimmer doesn't Zimmer can dial up some crazy blitzes he's a ter- terrific defensive mind but he doesn't have to a lot of times because those guys get pressure um just at, you know on their four-man front so anyway um wanted to mention that about Daniel Hunter uh last night I stumbled onto a show so I've been you know I, I I always try to find something new to watch on like Netflix or Amazon or whatever and I stumbled onto a show called Master of None I can't remember the name of the Indian comedian who is the lead character. It's about his life. But, oh, man, I wa- I couldn't stop watching it last night. I watched, like, five episodes straight. They're, like, half-hour episodes. It's I, about That's the danger of Netflix because yeah. once you get hooked into those shows, like, yeah. like a, half a day is gone. Yeah, I was trying to – I had to cut it off last night at, like, 1230 because I'd watched, like, four or five of them in a row. But you would probably appreciate this show because it's all about dating in the modern world and, like, just obviously, like, just living life in today's world and just how odd it is with um, these phones, devices that run our lives and then right. meeting people and trying to figure out how to communicate and right. all this different stuff. Um, it's a riot. I laughed out loud like numerous times in the in the you know two hours that I was watching this show. So I'll I think it's two seasons. It's called Master of None. Yet another show I'll have to check yeah. out on Netflix. So there's just not enough. We there's, talked about this. There's not enough hours in the day. See, yeah, well, the thing is, with you, like, you like to watch sports. Like in your free time, a lot of times you're watching sports. Whereas right. my free time, I'm not so much glued to sporting events right. as you are. I, I like to watch some of these other options yeah. out there. All right. Well, we did it. Just the, just the two of us. Uh, Got got in almost an hour. Like, See if like, we can like, get somebody oh. else in here to help us out next week. Yeah, we, we we enjoy having the third person. We're not we're not trying to kick everyone else out of the club uh, here, so to speak. Yeah. So. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. This has been just another sports podcast.